0: Welcome to a very special edition of Better Than I Found It. You're listening to Mike McGraw, the men's golf coach at Baylor. Recently, we've sifted through literally all 70-plus podcasts and have identified the most inspirational and informational sound bites from former guests, and we've included them right here in today's podcast. Originally, we considered doing this just for our golf team only to give them something to listen to, but as the project developed, we decided it would be a good idea to share it with all of our listeners. We've divided today's episode into three main categories. Number one, professional golfers. Number two, my former players. And number three, coaches and swing instructors. My wife Pam is even included in one. I'd like to thank my volunteer assistant coach, Brian Dolhide for doing most of the work. This is his baby. Thanks, Brian. For the first section of today's podcast, you'll hear from a handful of professionals such as Colin Morikawa, Victor Hovland, Maverick McNeely, Jimmy Walker, and many others. They'll be sharing their insights on a host of subjects. It's pretty easy to see why these guys have played the game at such a high level. I hope you enjoy.
1: Work on to make you a great athlete. Yeah, well, I appreciate that, Coach. Um, you know, I, I think. How I've gone to this point is is being creative. I spend a lot of time on the golf course, especially growing up. Um, I didn't really hit many balls on the range. I just went out and I was very fortunate to be at this 10 hole country club. And that's how I grew up playing. I dropped four or five balls in different spots, hit different shots, worked the ball left to right, worked the ball right to left. Um, But as I grew older and I went to college and my swing kind of developed a little more, my body got stronger, um, this left to right kind of fade built into my game. And I've stuck with that. I haven't changed, like you said earlier, um, about when you show up to the PGA Tour, you think you need to do something special. You absolutely don't. And I I believe that what I was doing in college, hitting my left to right shot, I can bring that out here on the PGA Tour. And I've seen it. And I've you know, obviously worked on different shots. But 95% of the shots, I'm trying to hit a baby cut. I'm trying to work the ball left to right, because that's my strength. And I think everyone is everyone's swing everyone's body is, is tailored to a certain shot pattern and you have to understand what kind of shots you have you have to understand your misses where you're going to miss
0: it, it's hard to put the value on what growing up
2: at a golf course can do for a kid sounds like to me it was really good for you it uh, i mean it changed my life it just you know obviously it opened up a lot of doors later in life well not later i'm still young but um at a young age, it just taught me how to uh, how to present yourself, how to represent yourself as a you know, even though you're a boy, as a man. You know, yes sir, no sir. You know things. You know how to play through golf etiquette, um, gambling. You know, like whatever it might be. You you know you're you're probably going to learn it there, especially if you're getting better. Um, so I just there's it's priceless in this world we obviously live in right now. Being held accountable is, it's, it's huge. And, you
3: know, like your players may think that they don't have a job. They're just there to play golf. Well, that is their job. You know, the school is paying you big money to represent them and represent them well. And, you know, that is your job and you have to take it seriously. Like it's your job that, uh, yeah, you're there to have a good time. And, but nobody says you're supposed to have a good time in college. You're there to, you're paying to be there and you're paying to Get an education. So, you know that is a job too, and you are, uh, you know, you're expected to perform for your school, especially you know with the athletics and stuff. Uh, so, I think that
1: I, I went in with the attitude that everyone on this team probably does something better than me, and if I figure out what that is and I work on it and try and copy them, and learn from them, I'll
3: be a better player.
0: That. You just literally spelled out the textbook for me to give to every incoming freshman of how to take care of your business your freshman year. You've, that is it right there. You have to be willing to, not willing, eager. You've gotta be excited about learning from people who have already been in your shoes.
3: I think one thing that I need to realize is, you know, day in and day out, I think I need to realize what game I have that day. And, you know, if I feel more confident, comfortable with my swing, with everything, maybe I can be a little more aggressive to pens that day or something like that. But I think I need to realize when I don't have it on certain days to maybe rear back a little bit, give myself more 15, 20 footers, not go flag hunting all the time. I think I'm, I think I, I'm so fiery at times where I'm like, all right, let's make this birdie and get going and type of things. And I think it, 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 I do it sometimes, but it can, it can bite me sometimes as well. And I think I just need to realize what game I have at certain points in time to be more aggressive or be. Everything's stacked against you if you want to try and go play and, and better that, uh, those statistics. Um, it, obviously, it's doable. There's plenty of, of good young players coming out, but um, it, it ain't easy out on tour. Um, those wins don't just happen. Um, they don't come easily. Uh, there's been a been a few guys that make it look easy. Uh, Tiger kind of skewed things for people when he got to the <laughs> point where he was winning roughly thirty percent of the tournaments he played. Um, that doesn't happen um, even getting anywhere close to double digit percentage. Um, so even winning you know five percent, you know one in twenty of events you play is is a hell of a percentage. so um, yeah, my career hasn't been all that bad. And like I said earlier, I would want more, but I'm happy with where we're at. And
4: um, we'd be in a bad spot if I didn't want more. Um, You know, play your four rounds of golf and then you roll over and do it again the following week. So it's it's a lot of golf for sure. And I think that's the biggest difference in college golf, you know, junior golf to college golf to, to professional golf is the amount of golf you're actually playing is, Is quite a lot. You know, in college you're playing one practice round and fifty-four hole tournaments most of the time, except for your amateur events in the summer and winter break. So playing six days a week and you know, two to two to three practice rounds, depending on when you get in, a pro am on Wednesday and then four rounds of 18 holes. So you gotta figure out a way to take care of your body and learn how your body is, you know, gonna be able to play five, six weeks in a row if need be. And I think that is a pretty big challenge for some guys coming out of school and definitely was for me so um i think that is a big part of it and i have it under control now and um yeah i think that would be pretty pretty good insight for for the
2: average golf listener all the local norwegian people we used to call it lunden after a guy that made the course and you would putt against your friends and I still have a clear memory of this guy, like walking around, just fist pumping and smiling, <laughs> laughing, having serious contests with, with his friends. And we were thinking like, who's this guy? Because we all knew each other at that point. But you were kind of uh, you you had your enthusiasm back then as well.
5: Yeah. Who's
6: this annoying kid fist pumping everywhere?
2: <laughs> yeah. I, I try to kind of avoid saying it that way. But, yeah.
7: calls me to his office he knows I'm frustrated I haven't won a a college tournament yet and we start talking I'm basically in tears because I told him I said hey you gave me the Arnold Palmer I feel like I'm letting you down I feel like I'm letting the school down Uh, I haven't won a golf tournament I haven't performed it's been two and a half years and he said hey let me ask you something when you came here in August of 2004 from then to now do you think you're a better player and I kind of thought about it and I said you know what I'm definitely a better player. Like, I, I can hit shots I couldn't hit then. A short game is better. I feel like I'm thinking my way around golf courses better. I'm just not getting results. And and he said, well, you got to remember something. In this game, if you are improving, that's the only thing that, that matters. Results will come. And, man, I left that meeting, uh, Mike, feeling just – I exhaled. I felt this pressure leave me.
0: Next, I've included a very nice collection of people I've actually coached, some of whom are still playing professional golf, while others are no longer playing. There's lots of really good nuggets of wisdom captured in this section. Ricky Fowler and Charles Howell are the most notable former players included here.
4: Because it's, as I said, until then, Oklahoma State was just this on a pedestal program that I would never be able to uh, be in the conversation with. And, and that was my one opportunity to show the coach what I could do. And, and for some reason I, I, I just kept hitting and then I followed up and it was um, and following up was calling you every Sunday and it's all you can do sometimes. And it worked out and changed well, my life for the better. I'm going
0: to tell you this in life, there's not, there's very few really great opportunities that come along and you have to seize them. And I think there's a, there's a huge value in somebody that understands that. And at the very moment you understood, I'm not getting this opportunity again. Yep. I'm going to do something with it.
8: I mean, it was, it was a struggle. It was, it was hard. I mean, it was, I'd never seen it before in my, in my golf. So having to deal with that, it's not easy um what made it easier was having four other guys that i had to go out and play for every day so i I just made a commitment to myself it doesn't matter what i'm doing what i'm shooting how many balls i've hit out of bounds i need to put my bag on my back put my chest out and look like i'm five under at all times they don't i don't don't need to bring those guys down if i'm having a bad day and that was just a commitment i made and it it obviously helps when you have (laughs) four other guys who can win any given week. You know, you don't have to finish top five, even top 20 and you know, chances are you're gonna win. But yeah, that, that's 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 what I did. That was the promise I made to help my, team. help my team. The way you're reacting is because everyone's watching you and you're telling them, I'm better than that shot I just hit. And, we're not concerned about them. We need to, we've got another shot to hit. We need to, you know, you'd be like, pick that bag up. We gotta go. That shot's over with. It's done. We need to move forward. The only reason you're you're reacting um is how other people are perceiving you. And that's we're not doing that. We're going to the next shot. We're gonna hit the next one. So um it's always you always made things very obvious. But there was a deep, you know, psychology in there, right? You know, you're, you're you don't want to embarrass yourself when you go out there and play and, and you feel like so many people are watching you, when they're really not. They're just watching golf and you're just, you're creating more of a story than is actually there. Um, and it's all about
1: opportunity. I just listened to your podcast with Austin Smotherman and. He used that word a lot, you know, and some people are given more opportunities than you are, but when you get yours, um, I guess this is is teaching me to make sure that I soak in every opportunity that I'm going to get.
0: I'm glad you say you're listening to those podcasts because honestly, um, I did them for junior golf. I did them a little bit for recruiting, for sure. That's part of this is to get people to know who I am and who our program is, what it's about, but honestly, to tell the stories of all different kinds of pro golfers from You know, Charles Howe, who's been playing golf competitively, beautifully on the tour for over 20 years. Colin Morikawa, who's this, like, amazing star at a young age. To all sorts of mini-tour pros, guys that have succeeded, haven't succeeded, are still on their journey. Yesterday's podcast with Ryan Blom, I mean, he's 15 years a journeyman out there fighting it, but he loves the game so much he continues. So...
9: I really, I've learned so many things from you over the years. Uh, one of them was on the 17th hole at Karsten Creek. Uh, I wasn't having my best day and, and I, I hit a good approach shot in the green. And you said, Jay Moore, it's never too late to start to find something and to start getting better and start playing good golf. So even though it's the 17th hole or maybe it might be the last hole and you're about ready to miss a cut in your pro career, it's never too late. So that's why you always give it your best and you're always present in the moment.
6: Yeah. So junior golfers, um, how you play is as important as how you carry yourself on a golf course. Um, I struggled with that a lot. And I know that coaches look at that a lot. Um, I like to think that I, you know, I, I got to OSU in spite of some of my, uh, emotional outbursts on a golf course, but, um, you know, obviously, you know, you work hard and, but, but really how you, how you carry yourself, how you show you know respect for yourself and for others in the game of golf, I think is, is a really important thing that I wish I had, I had worked harder at.
8: Um, always kind of had a family rule of like, if, if we're going to do something, we're going to, we're going to bust our butt and we're going to, we're going to make sure it's worthwhile. And, um, and you know, my parents—I uh, I never needed for anything growing up, but my parents, you know, they—they they made a lot of sacrifices for me to be able to chase this this dream. And so, you know, I, I was aware of that, and you know, I, I didn't want to—I didn't want to waste that opportunity that my parents sacrificed to give me. And
1: I kind of that. I- that drive from my dad just to do as well as I can in academics. And um, I'm a big believer in how you do one things, how you do everything. So, you know, if I want to achieve on the golf course, I've got to achieve in the classroom. Um,
6: and I just, I take that mentality kind of in everything.
0: I truly think the discipline that you take, because you are a disciplined student, there's no question, but that same discipline you, you just take over in the way you uh, where you work out, the way you train at golf, the way you eat, the way you kind of, you, you disciplined your whole life so well that it's the same discipline just across
6: different things. Um. Um, but so I, I think a lot of our time in, in college
10: was built around building strength, which is probably appropriate when you look at the age of the person, uh, their ability to recover, uh, their ability to, uh, you know, at the time you're playing a relatively full tournament schedule, but nowhere near what professional golf is. And so I'd say building strength through those college
3: years is is probably the right thing to do. Well, nobody likes this answer, but I honestly just kind of think about making putts. I mean, I always joked and Coach McGraw knows this, but it's it's not that hard. I mean, I would always give Braden a hard time. Because you know he and I would go back and forth a lot, but I'd, he'd miss a putt and like, Braden, what are you doing, man? It's not that hard. You just just hit the ball in the hole. <laughs> it's just it's really not that hard. You just make putts." And I mean, obviously, that's a little tongue in cheek, but I think that's a little bit of of why I think I was a good putter because I just I didn't oversimp or I didn't overcomplicate it, and I just just wanted to make a bunch of putts, and I didn't really see why why you'd want to do anything
4: else.
8: 20-year-old guy going in there. I think I was 19 at 19 the 19-year-old going to have a man conversation with his coach. Never had one before.
0: That was good advice by your dad right there. Really good advice.
8: Yeah. And so uh I go in there, I'm just as nervous talking to him as I probably was at Carson Creek on number 10. And uh I sit down and coach, what's going on what's on your mind, Trey? I'm like, man, I'm 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 mad. I'm frustrated. I feel like you're singling me out, putting all this heat on me. And like, you know, like even if I play good, I don't go, you know, we, and we just we had a, a conversation about it and it went better than I could ever imagine. Um, he was so nice. He was so encouraging. He, and like he just explained to me on why. And so during that conversation, I looked at him. I was like, well, coach, I'm not one to just sit around and sulk about it. I was like, so I I said, I'm not going to postseason, but this is not going to happen again. I was like, so you need to tell me what do I have to do to get better? How can I get better? And because I'm not sitting at home anymore. I'm not watching my friends go off and play golf tournaments and me sit at home and twiddle my thumbs and be aggravated. I was like, so what can I do? How can I become a better player? And we probably had an hour and a half conversation in his office. And I left there, and I called my dad, and he was like, well, what what went on? And I said, well, I know what I gotta do to get better.
3: At Fairway, I was like, coach, do you think I can win this golf tournament? And you really didn't give me the answer I wanted. I wanted you to say, yes, Garrett, you can definitely win this What did tournament. I say? You were like, why are you worried about that? Let's just worry about the next shot. You're trying to keep me in yeah, yeah. the right headspace. And I was already, you know, I was trying to play the golf tournament with the trophy already in my mm-hmm. hand. And I think Cooper ended up winning that, that he week. He did. And, Played great. Um, you know, I, I didn't feel any negative feelings towards him. I mean, he didn't do anything. But I remember I was so worried about winning the golf tournament that I couldn't play a good round of golf. You know, you have to play the round of golf, then win the tournament. You cannot... You cannot play golf with one hand on the trophy. Um.
1: As far as my swing, I mean, for people that have seen me swing, it's not a very visual, good looking swing, but um, I've learned to make it effective, so, and that's all that matters.
0: Well, you know, uh, you mentioned that, and I don't think your golf swing mirrors Jim Furyk's, but they're both unusual and they're both very individual. Mm-hmm. And I think he's got one of the best golf swings of the last 30 years because it reproduces a repeating golf shot and he trusts it. And I think you are pretty much the same, aren't you? Don't you trust your golf swing?
6: I do, I do very much. And
2: there- We were just talking one day and I'm like about how lucky we are and how, you know, everything from having three meals a day to having a roof over our head, to having clothes that we can wear different days. And, um, we just wanted to do something to give back. And, um, Sean was like, all right, well, I'm from Nepal. And the, these people over here live on less than a dollar a day and only rice and, Let's try to raise some money for them. And they were in the midst of building a school there. And uh, I was like, all right, let's do it. So we kind of got everybody in our Rolodex per se to try to donate um, a dollar amount per hole. And uh, we were going to set out on a one day journey of playing as many holes as we possibly could. You know when
8: something you love is taken away from you, um, you have to find other things to do. You know how to be happy, and you know, not playing golf. And I learned a lot from that. And you know, looking back, it was a blessing in disguise.
0: A former player I had years ago, Jonathan Moore at Oklahoma State, uh, had a back problem. Basically, didn't play his entire freshman year, and golf had basically been taken away from him. And he said that was the greatest learning experience of his life because it made him realize I still have a family that loves me I -hmm. still have uh, friends that also love me and pour into me I have this great golf team I have coaches who care about me I have a Lord and Savior I have my faith I've got all of these things how could I mean that's not that bad I mean so what I don't have golf came back and Jonathan was able to win the national championship the next year
6: Hunter was a really great player, obviously, but he was a great teammate, too. He he was always talking with you about what you were trying to do. Hey, you know, have, have you thought about this or that? And I always thought he led by example, which is a really important quality in any, you know, um, one of your star players or, you know, in your case, you know, as a coach, to lead by example. And I remember multiple times, you know, on the range, just, you know, he and I would just be talking you know, about what we were working on and for me that helped me to hear how he saw things um and it helped me to learn i think how to get better faster and that's why having you know having those teammates that were better than me helped me to raise my game faster and i'm very thankful for that
3: who i am on both on and off the golf course but for the most part i'm i don't like to show what's going on a whole lot um yeah, I may be a little upset or, or dealing with it internally, but I'm not going to show it uh, by necessarily throwing a club or doing anything like that. My mom always told me that um, if I if I happen to break a club, she was going to take it. So as in golf, you, you, you can only have 14 clubs. I didn't want to uh, <laughs> lose the capability of, of having all 14. Finally,
0: in this last section, you'll find some incredible excerpts from college coaches and swing instructors. I learned so much doing these interviews. It's just incredible how much my colleagues have taught me through the years. This section is gold for any aspiring coach. It takes a real champion to handle it the right way. And I was looking, just watching just yesterday on the PGA Tour. Michael Thompson won a golf tournament, and it started off ugly that first several holes. But he handled himself like a champion, and he knew he was going to win yesterday, and he did. Now, that doesn't mean you always win, mm-hmm. but I knew that I didn't care about 18-under if, if we acted like jerks. And I said, you can look around at college golf and try to act like everybody else, or you can act like champions would act. And, I, you know,
9: you know,
7: to me, that doesn't matter.
9: To me, that was garbage. I would never let my players think that they. I use that to build the chip on the shoulder.
7: You yeah, know, just well, because
9: we didn't have the, the the huge budgets and planes and whatever, that doesn't matter. That doesn't win you titles. Players' heart, character, grind, discipline. Those are the things that that win. Well,
3: the faster the greens got. Um, you know, we hung in there and, and I'm not even saying not even just at, at the finals, but other courses, you know, when we played fast greens, it was, it was now the whole year they would have them. He would have them basically keep their stats, but not strokes game. It would be strokes game putting, but, but mostly it would be speed. He had a way to, to calculate the speed. And every time he would just hammer the guys, I need your, I need your putting, need your putting, need your putting. And he would calculate
8: the, the speed every round we played, not just tournaments, practice, you know, like qualifying every
3: round. So they got in a habit where they had to think about speed. And I think it, it had to, I mean, it had to have, um, even if it helped one of our guys one shot, it was worth it, but it, but I know it was way more
5: than that. Do the same. I think the culture that coach created and the integrity and the drive of the players that we were surrounded by, as you know, there was, there was help from coach, but I think it was more internal from the guys we were surrounded by. All they talked about was winning. And all they all they thought about is how to do that better. And I think we helped each other to do that. So I, I would definitely say that I was a, I was a byproduct of the culture that Holder created, I can remember a few recruits coming in that were one and two in the country, but if their character at the end of that recruiting trip didn't fit what we were trying to do, they were not, it, it didn't matter how good they were at that, at that meeting after if, if we didn't think they were going to be a good fit for our school and our team we let coach know and he'd say, okay, great, we're done recruiting them. And so, well, their skill set may have been plenty good enough to make it at OSU if their if integrity or their, you know, their personality didn't match us, they, they weren't coming back. So I think that played a huge part of it.
2: Pointed to where you learn from some of, some of the experiences or some of the players you've coached uh, throughout the years
10: yeah some some are good and some are bad right I think the the biggest thing that I continue to learn is to tr- not try to push too hard I want things too much that that showed up in my golf game I think that shows up in my coaching sometimes and it's a sometimes that external pressure is just a terrible thing for for our golfers and when they sense that I want it too much then that's going to be a burden that they have to play with so that's certainly something I really have to watch out for and I continue to make that mistake twenty years later but but a lot less. And, um, so that's probably a good thing. I'm continuing to grow and I have
5: to really. So there's a lot of question marks on like actually when they were going to be able to start practicing again. And, um, they all took it in stride. And, and one of the things we talked about from day one was being ready for when the opportunity presents itself to play again. And that was, I mean, it, we didn't know if it was going to happen. And you and I talked about it all. A three pronged approach. I
0: wanted Hunter Man coming to Oklahoma State, but he's not going to be here. So here's my approach You can't get everybody. You know, right. you get who you're supposed to get. That's who shows up. Number two, you don't worry about who you don't get. They're playing for somebody else right now. And number three, you better coach the ones you do get. And right. he thought, that's pretty good advice, McGraw. Good job. And, and but Mike had told me, you can't worry over this. It's just not going to work. And I've always tried to tell young coaches when you lose a recruit, it should hurt for about five minutes and move on to the
11: next recruit. Yeah. Son, I know you've got a decision to make here and I'm not going to tell you what to do. Um, but I just know this, if you want to go to Stillwater, don't worry about the money. Your mother and I have saved our whole life so you could have a chance to go to college. And we want you to go where you'd like to be. And that meant a lot to me back then, but it means even more to me today. And I see so many youngsters making decisions for all the wrong reasons. and picking schools because of the amount of scholarship, which is the least valuable thing any athlete's going to get when they go to college. It's going to be more about the coach that you're with every day, the teammates that you're around every day, the values, the culture, the work ethic, the principles. All those things are what matter. and. If you pick the right place and get connected with the right mentors, and I I say mentors because it's not only just the head coach or the assistant coach, it's everybody on that team, the whole culture. You get in the right environment, it, it's transformational, and you can't put a value on what that's worth. It's priceless. Yeah.
10: But then you ought to incorporate it in, into yourself. Who are you? It's why Lee Trevino was incredible. I mean, he was an incredible player because he was authentic to who he was. And Jack Nicklaus was great because he was authentic to who he was. If Lee Trevino tried to become Jack Nicklaus, he would have been awful. And it's why I think he could beat Jack Nicklaus. And if you asked him, he felt like he could beat Nicklaus because – he was authentic in, in, in the game. And so in coaching, And anytime we should do, be who you are. The Lord has made us who we are, how we are in our personality. There's nothing wrong with that. We shouldn't try to change that because then we're trying to change the design of the designer.
0: So I'll never forget what Peter Costas said when he said, uh, you know, it's funny. They can make fun of Jim Furyk's swing all they want. I just know in my day we had a lot of funny swings hitting it in the fairway. And today they've got a lot of pretty swings hitting it in some funny places. So I think what his point was, was you need to be authentic to who you are and swing the golf club the way you are. And like Arnold Palmer once said, swing your swing. That's just what you do. And
9: When players take care of all the discipline, uh, they take care of all the little things. They make sure everyone's on the same page and everyone's focused. Then be- coaching becomes a lot easier. And and I think you're probably at the test of this. Um, our, our players uh, care what we think, but they even care more what their peers think. And when there's that peer pressure to do the right thing, to compete hard, to be coachable uh, and, and they're leading the charge and they're uh, uh, taking care of themselves, uh, that's when your teams can be special. Because uh, at the end of the day, again, that that common bond, they're the ones out on the court. They're the ones on the course and uh, them motivating and, and uh, uh, leading the charge is always better than a coach having to direct everything.
4: And as soon as I started putting the hearts of our student athletes ahead of everything else, we started winning and and that was fun. And I'm not to say that, you know, we were less competitive, right? Like, but when you put those people ahead of everything else, um, it's amazing what can start to happen. And we went on to win three big 10 championships in a row. You know, we were co-champions, but we do that in the big 10. We don't play it off, which I think, you know, some people really laugh at, but, um, you know, to, to leave there on that note of, of having those three championships and, And know i made a a difference but knew we were doing it the right way that made it all the more worthwhile because i i knew it was more about the growth that we were seeing
10: look at what we're trying i've got 32 players this year playing at 22 different schools in in d1 and d2 golf and the one coach that i talk to constantly about their players and look at what we're trying to do. I'm on the podcast with right now, and, and it's, <laughs> it speaks volumes to our ability to help that we're all on the same team. And that was Harvey's philosophy: is the the player wants to play well. Obviously, Harvey wanted them to play well, and and the coach at home wants them to play well, and their parents want them to play well. It's all it, it's got to be a team effort, and and I commend you for that. And I can't tell you. As as a golf coach, teach slash teacher that I consider myself, I can't tell you how important that relationship is, and I I, would, I hope any young coaches and Mikkel that I know is listening, I, I'm telling you it's essential to us all helping these kids get better, and and I thank you for that.
0: Well, thank you for that. I think that I've learned over this seven year period that has been valuable for me has been vulnerability. I always knew what the word meant, but that was just a dictionary definition of the word. Now I truly understand what being vulnerable. My wife, Pam, will occasionally tell me that I overuse vulnerability, that it's too much a part of, you know, it's too humble, too whatever. And the truth is, um, yeah, I'd rather err on that side than on the side of arrogance, on the side of I know everything. If I'm vulnerable, then a player can teach me. If I'm vulnerable, then an assistant coach can teach me. If I'm vulnerable, a competitor, a guy I'm trying to whip his tail at a golf tournament, he might learn something. Donations. Yeah. And one of the things you did to raise money that I was always impressed with was something you got my golf team involved with, and mm-hmm. that was called Putts for Pets. So tell, tell them. Yeah,
9: we had, you and I had both discussed how you had wanted to kind of raise the awareness with your team of community service and helping others and not just being totally focused on self, but reaching out. And uh, then of course I was trying to do the same thing with the Humane Society, just wanting to get help. And so, so the boys started actually volunteering and did a lot of community service, just walking dogs and taking them out and getting them exposed to people.
5: That last round was the first
10: under par round I'd shot in a golf tournament, and it really showed me that the way you carry yourself on the golf course does have a direct correlation with the way you actually play, and I, I don't know if I'd, and again, I was only, you know, I was 13 years old, and I was like any 13-year-old is emotional at times, And but that really, really showed me that, yes, your outer actions do have an impact on your inner thoughts, and
0: So was that your idea of a good time? It was not. Actually, when I was
10: when I was our player's age, I thought my father worked me entirely too hard. But
9: I look back on it now and uh I'm I'm doing two full-time jobs from McLennan and I don't even draw breath. And Mike, I think that's because of the the work ethic and the discipline that my father instilled in me. And I know you have some of that in your background
5: as well.
0: Yeah, no doubt about it. I think it's great when you have a father who showed you by example what hard work looks like. At least you had the example of it. And he obviously sort of asked you to do some of those <laughs> things too. So, but he got you uh, started in a life of where hard work does matter. and it.
10: Coaches, t- you've never arrived. You've got to keep learning and in, in developing your skill, whether it be the golf swing or whether it be these relationship um things or you know when they're recruiting whatever it may be we got to continue to grow and and get better in our profession if we
0: want to continue to be good yes and I think
10: I just had a young freshman girl that she struggled mightily after her first round at the state high school golf tournament it didn't play well shot in the 80s she's so much better than that and she's going to be a wonderful player so I reached out to her after Monday night after the first round and I said look I said, first off, you're a freshman, you qualified to get there individually. You didn't get there as a team. You got there on your own, just like you got out of district on your own. Her team didn't get to region, she got through there, she got to state. I said, you got many great tournaments ahead, I said, but I want you to do something tomorrow. I said, great players respond after a poor round. And I said, I want you to go out tomorrow and I want you to play like a champion. I want you to walk with your head in the air. I want you to walk like a champion. And I want you to shoot a good round of golf tomorrow and play the kind of golf that we both know you can play. And I'm proud to say she went out and shot 74 yesterday.
5: If you don't
9: think your GPA matters, it does because it talks about who you are off the course, right?
8: And I've, I, if I've learned anything in coaching. I've learned this the quicker these kids mature off the course, their golf scores go through the roof. Mm-hmm. And that helped me when you said that. I was like, you know
9: what? There's a connection to your pride in your schoolwork, right? And your golf game. And. Told and... me the best advice ever is you could choose to feel sorry for yourself, but nobody else does. <laughs> <laughs> And you can choose to move on. You can choose to figure out what's going to work, or you can continue to sit there and feel sorry for yourself. And and I did for a while. I felt very sorry for myself and self-pity and thinking this is not fair. You know, I, I didn't do anything that bad. You know, other coaches have gotten less. But whatever those feelings of self-pity were, but at the end of the day, if I don't make mistakes, I have a job. You know, going into wrestling practice and working out an hour, I mean, we all do that every day. You know, but what, what can I do differently that nobody else is doing? And, you know, I just imagine that, OK, I'm going to set my alarm for two in the morning and I'm going to get up and I'm going to walk across the street. <clears throat> there was a window that I always left open uh, when I started this where I could slip through this Gallagher Hall. It was Gallagher Hall at the time. And uh, now now our arena is called Gallagher Iberina. Um, and I'd slip through this window and I would find myself at the steps of Gallagher hall on the second floor. And I just start running these stadiums and I'd run them for about 30 minutes until I just, I couldn't do any more. And I, and, and I just kept thinking to myself, you know, that I'm doing this while the, while the Russians and the Bulgarians and and the Turks, you know, uh, are, are sleeping, you know, and I just, and I didn't even know what time it was in, the, in some of those countries. But I'm just thinking, are they doing this? Is this something that they're doing at two in the morning at their time? Are they waking up? And so it just for me, it just created a, a, just an edge where you just feel like I deserve something.
0: Thanks again for joining me on this trip down podcast, Memory Lane. I hope you've enjoyed the listening as much as I've enjoyed doing the interviews. I'd love to do this again in the future. Merry Christmas and Happy
11: New Year.